It's time to go with Jared Jesselitis. Oh, yes. And what was that beginning, middle, and end part again? Streaming online at 1017thehammer.com. All right, sounds good. Let's do this. brought in, if they address their needs, uh, if there's uh, some guys maybe they think that they missed out on, and his thoughts on the uh, first pick for the uh, horseshoe there in Anthony Richardson. So we got plenty of stuff to talk about with him. Welcome to the first day of May. It's time for the Need to Know News. Here's your Need to Know News. All right, let's start with men's golf. Uh, Purdue competing in the Big Ten Championships, and I'll tell you what. Dealt with a whole lot of rain. Rain on Friday definitely complicated things. Saturday they go out there and Herman Seckney shot a 62. No bogeys. That is not only a Big Ten tournament record, that was a course record. Get out of 10. Rain shortened up everything on Sunday so they didn't get to compete. I think the release said something about um, four inches and 50 hours of rain they got out there just outside of Atlantic City. That's tough. Real tough. So the boys will now await uh, their draw in the regional. That'll come on Wednesday. We'll keep our fingers crossed. But yeah, they should be playing in the postseason. Baseball took two out of three from Rutgers. Could not pull off a sweep of the Scarlet Knights, though. Nine to five that final on Sunday. And then you had kind of the the reverse of this. With softball. They come up just a little bit short as well. Uh, They lost two out of three, but they prevented the sweep there on Sunday. By the way, softball, free to attend. This is the last series for the season at home against, uh, I believe it's Penn State this weekend. They got like a cool space flag giveaway, which I'm on board with. So make sure you get on out there and uh, you check that out. Portal entries from the weekend for Purdue football include Milton Wright and Colin Sullivan. Those wide receivers are into the portal. Uh, Butler offensive tackle Isaiah Walker today said he will not be enrolling in Purdue, apologized on his social media. Other entries include Jordan Buchanan, Tristan Cox, and Brandon Calloway. Rough weekend for the old Cubs. They got swept in Miami 4-3 the final yesterday. All three of these games were one-score losses. Justin Steele gave up seven hits, three runs. Two of them earned on three strikeouts and six innings of work. Bellinger is getting hot. Seventh homer of the season. 
Over Bellinger's last 10 games, he's hitting 368, four homers, eight RBIs, 12 runs scored. They also lost ground to the division-leading Pirates, which I'm sorry, I'm going to continue to say because I don't ever get to say that. And if I do ever get to say it, it's definitely over by the time we get to May. So I'm going to say Northsiders now five games back from the division lead. Good news, though, is they get the Nationals on the schedule today in D.C. Hold up on betting that, though. We'll talk about it in a few. It should be some warmer weather as well. So you would think that would definitely help the long ball, but we'll see. Again, we'll talk about it in a little bit. That's a four-game series that they have out in D.C. to wrap up this road trip. And then they'll head back to uh, the friendly confines later this week to take on Miami when the Marlins come into town. Boy, I'll tell you what. I can't believe they did this. I cannot believe that the White Sox had a massive comeback to snap their 10-game losing streak yesterday, 12-9 that final. They were trailing 9-5 to in that one going into the ninth inning. 9-5 to they were down. And come back with a three-run win. I can't even imagine what the odds in the ninth inning to take this would have been. But they found a way to put up. I mean, they gave up five in the top of the eighth. And then they gave up another two in the top of the ninth. White Sox with 18 hits in this one. 18. They struck out 13 rays in this one and nearly lost it 9-5. to five. I don't even know how in the world you would manage to do that. Clevenger, five innings, seven hits, two earned, eight strikeouts. Gave up two homers. Uh, half of the homers that the White Sox would yield yesterday. A total of four in that one. Uh, but it's all done thanks to Andrew Vaughn's Ninth inning, bottom of the ninth, two on, two outs. And he sends that one right over the wall. I'll tell you what, that was something here. Uh, Hazley was four of five at the top of the order. Not bad in an RBI. Vaughn, two for four on the day with his three RBIs off of his homer. Aloy Jimenez, four hits on five at-bats yesterday. Very, very nice for him. That was Anderson at the bottom of the uh, order there, too. Three of five day for him. So uh, a few White Sox showing out there. But 18 hits. Oh, where the heck has this been? So they escaped the Rays here. The Rays had never in franchise history swept the White Sox, and they came a half inning away from doing just that. Uh, boy, I'll tell you what. Big numbers put up in this series. Game one was 14-5. to five. Game two was caught at three to two, but game three, 12 to three, and then 12 to nine. A lot of runs put up in this thing. And there you go. That is today's need to know news. All right. Tonight, we want to get back after it again with our friends on DraftKings. Let's have ourselves a uh, good week here. We've just had a couple of middling weeks. It's been rough. I want to see what we can do tonight here. Uh, you are uh, instinctively going to that Cubs and Nationals game. And it's a battle of left-handers. Now, I know it's the Nationals. They're not tremendous. But I will say this about the Nationals. Third best batting average against left-handers. Yeah, it's way higher than the Cubs. 
When it comes to hitting lefties, Cubs are down at eighth. They're at 385. It's not that far off, I guess. But anyway, 294. I guess what I'm trying to say here is, it, I know you're going to see the Nationals. You're going to think, hey, losing streak. Cubs have got to snap back into it here. But I would not jump on that bandwagon just yet. Uh, Mackenzie Gore on the mound struck out 10 in his last start uh, up against the Mets. So he's got something here. I think this is a little bit more of a coin flip game. Minus 135, I don't know. I don't know that I... I don't know that I like that for you. Normally, I'd be like, go ahead and fade the Nationals. That's usually a decent thing to be able to do. And honestly, I don't hate it if you do want to take the Cubs. I'm just warning you here. I don't think that's a slam dunk. I think you see the minus 135 line next to him, and you think to yourself, well, okay. That, uh, that is, that's a gift, but it's, it's really not. If you're looking at Cubs that hit left-handers really well, Nico Horner's batting 333. He's 11 for 33 with two extra base hits, five RBIs. Dansby Swanson is 7 of 25. That puts him at 280. Patrick Wisdom is at 278. He's got 36 at-bats. Against lefties, 17 of them are strikeouts. Oof. You could ride the hot hand of Cody Bellinger, who's 9 of 34. That gets you a 265. Eh. Eh. But yeah, I, I don't see a ton of value in this game right there. I just don't like it for you. And, and sometimes the best bet you can make is the one that you don't make. And jump into it, but if you want to, if you want to tango in it, and you know you like the Cubs, you feel good with the Cubs, go right ahead. It's just not where I would want you to put your money tonight. But one thirty-five, there's worse. There's worse things to do. If you feel good enough in your Cubs, go right ahead. I'm not saying they're going to lose. I'm just saying uh, that gets a little bit shaky for me tonight. Good places to put your money here tonight. And I know you're not going to get tremendous odds out of Blake Snell versus the Cincinnati Reds. But I feel like that's a little bit better of a position there for you. That's a little bit more of a no-doubter. Add it to your card. I mean, if you're going to go with one, you might as well go ahead and uh, bump it up right there. And I feel really great about San Diego tonight. NBA, hey, don't forget to no sweat, same game parlay, same game parlay X every day, up to 10 bucks. Boston and Philadelphia tonight. Can Boston, uh, you know, Bruins last night got defeated, bounced the President's Trophy winners, record setting amount of wins. Is there a Boston hangover tonight? Oh, it's nine and a half. But you can get that same game parlay boost tonight. Don't forget about that. Game two with Phoenix and Denver as well. I think I'm staying with Phoenix in that one. I know they're a four-point road dog, but that's what my gut's telling me there. I have not researched any of that yet. It's just it's a real thin night on baseball. Hockey has been... I mean, come on. Last night, game seven. 
the the a record-breaking team in wins in Boston lost at home. The Stanley Cup champions got bounced at home to a team that has never won a playoff series. Hockey's absolutely crazy. You do have Rangers and Devils tonight, and that is about as close to a coin flip as you can get. Under is at five and a half. That would be my play in that one. How many times have they even covered six in this series? I don't even think they've covered six more than once, maybe. Five to two, four nothing, three to one, two to one. And the openers were five and one and five and one. Holy smokes. Game sevens tend to be lower scoring. There's a lot of tension there. Everybody wants to play it safe. I'll take five and put that on my card for tonight. I'll jump on board with you guys in the Cubs. I'll take uh, under five and a half, and I will take the Padres over the Reds. Come on, life's too short. We got to hit something tonight. I just I would tell you something for the NBA. I just I, I have not done any due diligence. Haven't done it. We're gonna take a break. Don't worry. You come back here, Derek Schultz from Quarry and Schultz will be back here with us, and uh, we're gonna talk a little bit about this Colts draft class, what he thought, what some of the philosophies were behind some of these picks, and more. Stick around. He's coming up next. It's the Hammer Down Show. One hundred one seven. The Hammer. One hundred one. Welcome back. It is the Hammer Down Show on 1017 The Hammer and 1017.com. We're over to the Hammerhead Hotline. And uh, you know this guy. You love this guy. Derek Schultz is on with us. One half Aquarian Schultz, uh, longtime Indianapolis radio personality, is uh, on the program with us. Derek, always great to have you back on the program. Uh, it's been a minute, so I'm glad we were able to uh, negotiate with your representatives a return to the show. Thank you so much for that. Yeah, you'll have to write that check to my LLC. It is Schultz Media LLC, so we'll make sure that we get that all uh, taken care of. No, it's, it's great to have uh, be back on the show. Thanks so much for having me, man. No, not a problem. Man. So I, I thought this would be a great time to bring you back on here because uh, draft is now over here. The uh, the Colts have made, what is it, like 12-some-odd picks that they stacked up here during this draft. We know how the Colts love their multitude of draft picks, and uh, I thought the odd part with that was you know, it's 12 picks, and I understand you're going to have to trade to get some of those, but like, only what their first round pick, one of the fourth round picks, the fifth round, and that late seventh round—the only actual ones they hadn't like traded or been traded for. Uh, it just—it's weird how the NFL works with the amount of trades you can do in the draft, isn't it? Yeah, it's just—it's Chris Ballard to a T. This is his mo. He loves to wheel and deal. He loves to trade down, especially they have traded up in the past as well. But he also loves to draft physical freaks and. That's what the Colts did. They essentially drafted 12 physical freaks with the headliner, of course, being perhaps the biggest physical freak, at least at the quarterback position that we've seen in modern history in in Anthony Richardson at number four. So the trades, the amount of picks, and the type of picks all very much fit what Chris Ballard and this brass has done over the last couple of years. Yeah, it definitely seems like they, they, I know the philosophy is that they draft on uh, traits. And uh, you go through and you read the draft cards on a lot of these guys. It's ran the fastest 40 time, jumped the farthest out of this group, um, the fastest shuttle out of this group. I, it looked like speed and fast tended to be the, the, the biggest buzzwords that I saw from the class overall. Yeah, and you'd be right about both of those things. A lot of those guys scored off the charts in, in those two areas. But I think the thinking is, is that you bet on the traits and you hope that you do that enough times, and eventually these guys pan out. I mean, let's face it, you got a 12-team class. If half of this class is still on the roster in three years, then you did pretty well. If 
you know, four of them are making a, a huge impact, notably the first pick being Richardson. If he's one of them, then you had a grand slam draft. So that's all you're hoping for here um, when it comes to these picks, just throwing up against the wall that eventually some of them are going to stick. But they have a, they have a ton of athletes coming in, and they've got a roster that's very athletic. The, the problem for them has been getting it all to materialize on the field into tangible results. I mean, that's been the tough thing to come from. Uh, come by here uh, for Chris Bauer and company. Well, let's start with that first overall pick, uh, the first round pick, number four in uh, Anthony Richardson. Uh, I had been saying since December I thought this was going to be Will Levis' time for the Colts. Uh, you know, Once Steichen got hired, I, I thought maybe that changed a, a little bit for them, but I, I didn't know that – personally, I, I don't know how much time Ballard had left. I thought the seat was getting pretty hot for him, and Richardson is a little bit of a, a project. He needs a lot of polishing. He needs the work on the footwork here, and I didn't think that Ballard maybe thought he had the time to wait around to see if that thing pans out. That's why I kind of thought it was going to be Levis. But they go with Richardson, who, um, like you mentioned, he has these uh, the skill set uh, from a physical standpoint. It was just, can the franchise be patient enough for him, and can he develop the things that he needs to? I think he can, Derek. What did you think about the first pick for the Colts? Yeah, I think it made a lot of sense because of what Steichen just did with Hurts, where you have a guy who, and let's be fair to Jalen Hurts, he was much more established as a passer than Anthony, and much more productive as a college player than Anthony Richardson was. But you've got a guy with some very good to elite traits, uh, his mobility and his legs. Let's accentuate those things first and teach all of the other stuff in the process while everything else catches up. And I think that's the blueprint here for Richardson. He can impact the game right away as an athlete and as a runner. Um, and then you hope that the footwork and the mechanics and his ability as a passer, all of that stuff grows and develops while you're accentuating those NFL-ready traits. And, and I think that's what the Colts are going to do. It's the reason why I, I, I'm not saying that I bristle at this necessarily. I think your rationale is sound in that, you know, Will Levis is 24 years old, played five college seasons it would seem that he would be more of an NFL-ready quarterback. But I think with Richardson, just because of his ability to, you know, we're projecting here, of course, we don't know this yet, but just given who he is, his ability, we think, to impact the game as a runner, as a Justin Fields type, then bring him along and everywhere else, I think he needs to play right away. I I don't think you sit him behind Gardner Minshew for a week, two weeks, a month, two months, all season. I don't think you do that. I I think what he needs right now is experience. He needs reps. He needs baptism by fire and it looks like the Colts are, are leaning that way no you start Minshew until October right that's usually when he falls apart he's great until October or so and then you bring him in but you know you're right with a Justin Fields comparison and, you know Fields sits down towards the bottom in completion percentage uh last season and you saw the kind of impact I mean look I, I, when I started to dig into it, it it makes more sense that you can you can do what they want to do with it. Lamar Jackson was a guy that was a sub 60 percent completion percentage guy at Louisville and uh, now look where he's at I mean he's in the mid 60s heck I, I know it's a different time but I don't think Michael Michael Vick had two seasons that was after he got suspended that where he even touched the 60 percent completion percentage and you saw how he could affect the game so uh, you know at first I said I don't like hearing that you have to teach him all this stuff at the professional level but then when you dig into it you say you know what this isn't exactly a a unicorn case like it's been done and it's been happening yeah guys get to the NFL and they gasp get better (laughs) a lot of times Uh, that, that doesn't happen every time it's not guaranteed that that's going to happen but that's what you're betting on 
here with the Colts because for every example that you have like Lamar Jackson or, you know, Josh Allen with his completion percentage, right, at, at a place like Wyoming, it was not good. Or with sample sizes, you were talking Anthony Richardson with 13 games, you've got somebody like Mitchell Trubisky who obviously, you know, the traits didn't end up materializing for him and he's probably never going to be a high-end NFL starter or probably be, you know, the, the, a Blaine Gabbert type for the rest of his career. And that's obviously the worst-case scenario here moving forward for Richardson. So I'm not presenting this like it, it's some sort of a, a slam dunk or anything like that, Jerry. I don't think anybody is. But what you hope is to swing big and you connect and you, you hit a home run. That doesn't mean that you're not going to swing and miss. Um, that could happen as well. But with Richardson, it's a, it's a big bet, and there's a high ceiling there, probably higher than Levis or it might even be higher than Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud, honestly, if, if all of these traits materialize for him. Talk with Derek Schultz here on the uh, Hammerhead Hotline. He seems like a good kid, too. I saw the uh, interview with his mom and his uh, little brother. Did we find out how old his little brother is? Because he sounds like he's got a mortgage to pay. Uh, that was like the deepest voice on a teenager I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> I, I thought he was the older brother for a second. It was crazy. Uh, did you get to hear him at all? Did you see that pregame? Yeah, pretty funny. Um, he, he, he's very endearing. Um, he's, a, he's a competent kid. Uh, that was one of the, I don't even know if you'd say it was an issue, that was one of the questions for him coming out of Florida was how he was going to handle all the attention and, and all that. Not that you don't get attention and scrutiny. I mean, hell, it's Florida. They're not that far removed from a, a football national championship. But um, he, he's seemingly knocked it out of the park so far um, where he's really endeared himself to the fan base and, and to everybody else. All right, let's take a look at the rest of the draft here. Uh, I thought that the Colts addressed a lot of their needs, a new slot receiver in Josh Downs. Uh, you know, Campbell leaving, that was an area of concern there. Um, some extra help in the secondary here. I was a little surprised, nothing at linebacker or maybe anything to support the front uh, seven for the defense. But uh, other than that, I feel like they did a pretty darn good job of addressing their immediate needs here. Yeah, especially corner where they just desperately needed bodies. And I, I know that they think that Juju Brents, who's an Eastside kid from Warren Central, um, can come in and compete to start right away. Um, and he's going to have to um, if, if they're going to have a, a puncher's chance in the secondary next year. But, again, it, some of the guys that they got um, were higher-graded players who fell back to them. And that's why I think if you're looking around, you know, I know you agree with this. Draft grades are kind of ridiculous, right? None of these guys have played a single snap yet. But the reason why the Colts are, are grading out so well is because I think they got a lot of value, at least for where players were graded and where they ended up being. One of those, the kid from Northwestern, we're calling him Addy Addy here because his name's very difficult to say. <laughs> Addy Tamiwa Adamora. Um, he's one of those guys who was the second round, going to the fourth round, but is a great athlete and can play inside, can play outside, has versatility on the defensive line. And I, those are the type of guys that Ballard and, and everybody else have, have targeted here with the Colts and their scouting department, and, and they're just hoping that a, a couple of those break through. Is he the steal of the draft class for you? I mean, who who's that guy that you're the most high on here? Outside of Richardson, obviously, uh, go, go through that. Who, who do you think is the biggest steal here for the Colts of the class? Yeah, I think so, just because, I mean, he was widely regarded as a day-two pick, and he ended up getting him not only in day three, but you got him later in day three as a round-four pick. So if we're looking at the definition of steal, I, I guess Addy Addy would, would fit that there. Um, but there were a couple of other players, you know, uh, that, that ended up fitting that bill. The cornerback from North Carolina um, later in the draft uh, was, was one of those, too. So 
uh, you know, and, and maybe we'll see what ends up happening with, uh, with, with Gigi Brent, as I mentioned, because they're going to need these guys, not only Richardson, that's where a lot of the focus is going to be, but they, they need some of these players to come in and contribute right away. They're not going to have time to wait. Doesn't it worry you just a little bit, though, Derek, sometimes when you see these guys, you think they're graded out on that second round, maybe that second day, and all of a sudden you're hearing late in the third day, it's like, did we miss something? Did everybody else see something that we missed? I mean, there's always that little bit of fear, right? Yeah, of course. I mean, it, it, it's a, it's a crapshoot. Even the people that know don't really know um, who somebody is going to be. And, and a lot of it has to do with and circumstance. And, and at the end of the day, it just has to do with luck. Um, you, need a, you need a healthy dose of luck to have all of this stuff materialize and, and, and happen for you. So, yeah, there, there's fear, but there's also what, what comes with that, Jared, is excitement. Um, you know, it's, it's exciting. Is, is it scary as hell? to think that Anthony Richardson in, in two years from now might be awful and the Colts might be already looking for a play. Yeah, of course that's scary, that you're caught in this cur- quarterback purgatory for 10 more years. Um, that's a scary thought. It's happened. It happened in Miami. It happened in Buffalo. It's still happening with Cleveland. And I still think it's happening with the Jets, regardless of how you feel about Aaron Rodgers. So that's, that's a scary thing to have to sign up for. But it's exciting. Whenever you get a new face and whenever hope returns to the fan base, which is what is happening right now in Indy, there's an element of excitement that comes with that. You can't be scared about quarterback purgatory when you had how many years with Peyton and then you had how many? I know you didn't get all the years out of luck, but, I mean, come on, that's a pretty little decent run there. I think it's a little early to say purgatory uh, when we've uh, – but I get, I get the sentiment. Nobody wants to be the Jets. Nobody wants to be the Browns. Uh, you were definitely right about that stuff. Derek Schultz on with us here on the Hammerhead Hotline. Hey, before we go, man, uh, it's it's May the first. I mean, it's it's time to get out of the track. How excited are you right now? What do you what do you love most about May here, especially the early part of May when it comes to the race? There's a lot of stuff I love about May that has nothing to do with the 500. Um, the mini is kind of the unofficial kickoff of summer, even though it's usually like 45 and raining. Yeah. <laughs> it's a it's a day a lot like today, even though the forecast, uh, knock on wood, is it's very encouraging coming up here on Saturday, but, you know, the parade, carb day, practice week, just all of it. Um, it's it's a part of what living in Indianapolis is all about. So um, it brings you a lot of pride. It brings you joy, and it's the highlight of the year. I, everyone, I think, even if you're not a sports fan, circles it on the calendar as this societal happening here in Indy. But from a an actual race standpoint, the competition in the series is just – it's unprecedented. I mean, it's it's incredible. Um, how closely uh, loop these guys are. You've got the top five in the points right now through the first quarter of the season, separated by 15 points, four different winners in four races. I know people love Formula One, um, and the, and the, it's far more popular, and the cars are, are maybe cooler, but if we're talking actual racing and competition, I mean, IndyCar blows it out of the water, um, where you, you watch a race and you have no idea a lot of times what's going to happen, and there are as many as 10, 12, 14 cars that could drive their way into victory lane. Um, so I'm excited about all of it, man. It's, it's my favorite time of year here. Plus, Formula One doesn't have any Jake Query or Nick Yeoman on the uh, radio calls, so that's already the dock them two points right there uh, out the gate. They don't have the excitement of those two guys uh, on the broadcast, so uh, that's why we're uh, we're great IndyCar people. Hey, Dan, I actually told this to, I, I told this to Nick, too. Um, I want them, I want to pay them whatever it costs to just do play-by-play of me mowing my lawn because they can make... <laughs> They can literally make anything sound exciting. I mean, it, it's crazy. Like, 
Mark James, all those guys, they could call a snail race, and you'd be on the edge of your seat like, oh, my God, what's about to happen? They do a phenomenal job. Oh, gosh, I'll tell you. Now, now I'm going to be picturing that for the rest of the week. Thank you very much for that visual. Derek Schultz, again, uh, catch him as part of uh, Querying Schultz. Uh, where can uh, the folks uh, take a listen and watch the, uh, the show for you guys? Streams live Monday at 7.30 on IFC Sports Network, which is available on some cable providers around town, including uh, Mulberry Telecommunications. Also uh, streaming on YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, all of that, and uh, the podcast whenever you want um, on all major platforms. There you go. you got to check it out because it's always a great show. Uh, glad to be able to listen to you guys here uh, every week as well. Derek, it's always a pleasure to get to catch up with you, talk a little indie sports, and uh, like you said, exciting time. you got some shiny new players, and uh, you got those shiny race cars hitting the track down there in Speedway, buddy. So. Drink it all in. It goes down smooth. And, uh, again, thank you so much for being on the program. You know I always appreciate it. Happy to do it anytime. Big thanks to Derek Schultz for being on the program. As always, he's great man. I'll tell you what. If you don't watch uh, him and Query, Jay Query, I don't know what to do for you here. But he's great. Uh, and uh, we'll have him back on again soon. This is the Hammer Down Show on 101.7 The Hammer. Of course, you can always reach out on the Hammerhead hotline at 765-447-4080. You can always text the show. Love hearing from you. Okay, over the weekend, we finally did get all five Boilermakers who were uh, in that uh, draft pool that uh, got taken out there. Although, uh, I guess I'm not thinking about Reese, um, just because we didn't think too much. He, he got himself a uh, a deal with was Kansas City. Was that who it was? I saw that in the last second with the uh, undrafted free agents. I know he got himself a uh, a little bit of a gig, but I-, I wanted to focus on the on those top five guys that got their names called uh, on draft day. We asked Jens on the uh, hammer on the Twitter handle for uh, the hammer at the hammer sports. We wanted to know who you thought landed in the best spot. And most of Yins thought that uh, it was Aiden O'Connell. So I, I, I don't know. I'm looking at this and I'm saying to myself, "All right, let's let's figure out exactly who it is." I, I don't think anybody landed in a bad spot. But I'm sorry, you guys. It wasn't. It was. It was uh, Charlie Jones of the Bengals at sixty percent. It was Payne at twenty six percent. It was in second. Uh, and then Trice and uh, Aiden uh, with the Raiders. But part of me thinks Aiden is the guy that lands in the right place. And I'll tell you why. you got to get past, first of all, Jimmy G gets the deal, right? So Jimmy G's there. But as you all know, when it comes to him, there's a knock on him. What is it? Tends to have problem finishing seasons. Now we had 11 games in 2022. 15 games before that. Which is not bad. But for the rest of his career, I mean, it's all, it's all single-digit stuff. So there may be a chance for him to get the play into there. I think Josh McDaniels really coveted him. He went earlier than most people thought. So that's a good sign here, too. And you're probably not walking in as the number two QB. 
which could be an alarm. But you got to get past Brian Hoyer. That's it. Brian Hoyer. Who was darn near 40. Was he 38? I think he could do it. I think he can come out of camp being number two. He's a smart kid. He's an accurate kid. I think he works good out there. I really do. As for what the fans think in in Charlie, I don't want to discount that kid. I think he's very talented. But when I look at Cincinnati, here's the problem. You got Joe Burrow throwing to you. That's a great scenario. He's going to be very happy catching balls from Joe Cool. Here's the problem for, for Chuck Sizzle here is, though, you look at what that wide receiver room is right now, and it's a little bit hard to crack that top three. Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd. And Trent Irwin had himself some moments last year, too. I think he comes in, he fights for that fourth spot. They also brought in Irv Smith Jr. at the tight end, so they're going to have to get him some catches as well. It's not a terrible spot to be in. You jump in with a contender. You're learning from Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, but you know, you're a little similar to what you do in, in, in Boyd, and he's got a few years' experience on you. Now, wide receiver is also another one of those positions, man. Somebody can go down real quick. You're the next body up. That's not bad. Should be very happy where he's at. Payne Durham is interesting in Tampa. Because there's really nobody. Who else is in that tight end room? Can you name a Tampa Bay tight end? You can't name a Tampa Bay tight end. Go ahead. Give it a try. You're wrong. There's that person's not on the team. <laughs> you know who the number one tight end was for Tampa Bay last season? Cade Otten. You don't even know who Cade Otten is. In 42 catches, two touchdowns, 391 yards. If Cade, not, if Cade Otten is the guy there, they had Cameron Brait. I don't think Cameron Brait's on the team anymore. He only had 20 catches. Kyle Rudolph's gone too here. So there is, I think, some room in that tight end room for him to do something. The problem with Tampa is, <laughs> what's the quarterback situation right like, you know? Lord knows Tom Brady can still pick up a phone and go walk right back in. It's either that or Baker Mayfield. So yeah, I really don't know who would end up being the quarterback here. We'll just have to wait and see. I think you come in, you slide in on the other side of that line, you're good to go in the double tight end set. It just kind of comes down to what they want to run in the offense. Otten's listed at 6'5", 247 pounds. 
By comparison, Payne is 6'5", 255 pounds. So it's not like one is massively bigger than the other or anything like that. We know Payne's got good hands. I, I would not... I wouldn't count him out there, but I definitely think he gets playing time. And then you get down to uh, to Jalen Graham and Corey Trice, both of which are a lot harder to kind of dissect. Pay, uh, Jalen Graham is really hard because we've talked about with him the size. Where does he really slot in on a defense? Now, how do you see him as an outside linebacker? Do you see him more as like a, a, a you bring him in as a nickel? What do you do with him? I, I don't. I don't think we have a great answer for how San Francisco really envisions using him right now. So that's a little bit of uncertainty for me with Jalen. Where does he really slot in here? And I think he could do a couple of different things. I really do, but I just I. I've yet to see anything from San Francisco that kind of gives me an idea of what they have in mind. He's a heck of an athlete. Corey Trice, again with Pittsburgh. Look, it's never it's never the wrong thing to have some extra members of the secondary. And one of the things that I have listened to from their coaches and GM talk about that he might have some versatility for them. Remember, he came in as a safety at Purdue. And Brad Lambert said, get over their corner. And it worked out pretty well. And, you know, Pittsburgh loved his athleticism and his length. Certainly he fell, you know, a lot farther than most people would have thought, whether that's a medical reason. I can't imagine it's an off-the-field issue where they interviewed bad. If you've ever... Watched an interview with that young man. He's he's also he's very smart. Um, he doesn't seem to have really an ego or anything like that. I, I I've never seen an interview where he's seemed very off putting, any kind of attitude. So I I'm, I'm kind of shocked that he falls where he does. But you know they they just took a guy that is also got a lot of length and likes to press in Joey Porter Jr. So I don't know. He may have to come in and uh, in an extra corner role. He may get into a specific like, "Hey, we got to put you in on certain wideouts." Certain I, I don't know. But the talk that they all, might also put him at safety, and you know, he can play special teams for you too. And that might be where Jalen is able to uh, cut his teeth as well, doing some special team stuff. You'd be multifaceted in the secondary. They're going to find something for you because they know if it goes sideways, they got a guy they can plug into a couple of different places and it, and it works out. So long story short, I think everybody's in a pretty decent position here. I think Charlie might have to wait his turn the longest out of everybody because that you know wide receiver room's got a lot of you know it's got a lot of names in there. I think Aiden's going to get a chance sooner rather than later due to Jimmy's rep for not making it through seasons. I think Payne has a chance to get out there right away. I don't know if he's going to get the targets right away, but I think he's got a chance to get out there right away as well because there's not a lot of competition in that tight end room in Tampa. 
And Corey's going to be able to find himself a roster spot. I don't know how much he is going to play. But the fact that he can be versatile and also play special teams is something that I think they're going to like for him. And, you know, Jalen, I just, the, the jury is still out on that one because I just don't know where they're getting excited about using him just yet. Not to say that he's not an exciting player. They shouldn't. I, just, I, I don't know what the path is for him just yet, so it's a little bit harder to tell. But you guys did a great job sounding off on that. And Purdue should be very happy about having five guys drafted. These guys, I think, should all landed in pretty darn good spots. Everybody should be happy with the weekend. We're going to take our final break. We'll come back wrap it up here next. Packing that back here on the Hammer Down Show, 1017 The Hammer, 1017 TheHammer.com. Uh, just about ready to wrap it up here. Boy, uh, this hour really flew by here. Uh, real quick, some of the things that uh, we may have missed. I oh, super bummed about this. Uh, Purdue Volleyball announcing uh, just yesterday that uh, center uh, Megan Renner is going to have to medically retire um, another another ACL tear. And you, you hate to see that. Uh, she was on her Twitter saying, not how I pictured my final season to go. Thankful to be surrounded by those who care for me. So sad this fall I won't be on the court, but I'm excited for the future of this program. I love this team. Boiler up and hammer down and uh, a little thin at center, my understanding, too, with uh, Purdue. So, whew, yeah, uh, we're going to work and see if we can get, uh, because I want to get uh, Coach Shondell on sometime real soon here anyway, talk about all the camps and stuff he's got going on. So uh, we'll have to have him on to uh, talk about this and more. But, man, uh, just sad news coming out of the uh, spring there for Purdue Volleyball. And uh, uh, best of luck to Megan. All right, that's got to wrap it up for us here. Big thank you to Derek Schultz for being on with us here. Uh, don't forget, if you missed this interview, you want to go back and take a listen, follow us on Twitter. We're at The Hammer Sports. Follow us on Facebook, just 1017 The Hammer. Find us on Facebook. We're on Spotify. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Google Podcasts. I mean, we are on basically everywhere that you can listen to a podcast, so make sure you check that out. Uh, hang tight here. We're going to be coming back with plenty of great guests this week. Um, and we're going to start getting you ready for the race. I mean, just so much stuff to talk about. We're back tomorrow. Three o'clock here on 